G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. One of the newest nations on the face of the earth is the nation of South Sudan. But since it gained independence from the Republic of Sudan in 2011, the nation has suffered ethnic violence and even civil war. There were great hopes, but tragically, ongoing conflict has resulted in what the UN has called one of the world's worst humanitarian crises. Half of the population are in desperate need of immediate food or medical assistance, and the young nation needs long-term support to rebuild their livelihoods and get back on their feet. And Christianity is the major religion in South Sudan, and you wouldn't be surprised that missionary organizations are at work. James and Ruth Mollenhauer are missionaries to South Sudan with Mission Aviation Fellowship. South Sudan has few roads across its vast swampy plains, meaning aid and mission groups depend on MAF's aircraft to reach people suffering through hunger, conflict and isolation. Well, James and Ruth Mollenhauer joining us today. Hello, James. Welcome along. Thank you. It's great to be here, Neil. And Ruth, a special welcome to you. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be here. James, let me come to you first, because some people will think of South Sudan and they'll say this is one of the more dangerous places to be a missionary. Is that the case? It is if you're in the wrong place. Uh, We're fortunate that uh, MAF does a great deal to ensure the safety of their workers, uh, as well as their aircraft, of course. So it's um, there are a lot of dangerous areas, but we are kept safe And with planes in the air, how many planes are there in the fleet working in South Sudan? There are five uh, what are called uh, Cessna Caravan 208s, and there is one Cessna 182. It's actually an SMA diesel aircraft. And you are working with the aircraft, but in a capacity where you're not the pilot, but you're the guy who actually fixes anything that goes wrong and makes the whole operation work am i uh, am i reflecting your role that's pretty close but my actually my role is to fix everything that doesn't fly so i'm not an aircraft engineer i do everything uh, on housing motor vehicles plumbing electricity everything that doesn't fly And you're well-trained in this and well-experienced in the work of MAF because you and Ruth spent something like 16 years in Papua New Guinea, just to our north, uh, before experiencing South Sudan. That's correct. We uh, went to Papua New Guinea as soon as we were married uh, after studying at Bible College and spent 16 years there. And then when our kids were needing to get back into senior high school, we came back to Australia for a number of years until the youngest one was most of the way through university. Then we looked to see what God wanted us to do next, and this came up on the map. Ruth, give us a little insight into your role, because you're a trained nurse and you've done school teaching. What is day-to-day life like for you on the mission field in South Sudan? There's many opportunities to um, minister to people because there are so many needs. So 
our first year there, I was mostly working in two small schools that were in our neighbourhood um, and they were very happy for me to teach English and Bible is actually a subject in primary schools in South Sudan. So that's a wonderful opportunity. And they said, because I'm a nurse, I could teach science. So that was the first year that we spent in Juba. And are you working with those South Sudanese nationals or are some of the people that you're working with in a teaching capacity? Obviously, uh, you have to learn a whole language if you're going to teach uh, those South Sudanese. So who are the people that you're working with like that? Um, All of them are South Sudanese from various areas in the country who've come to the capital city for safety. So English was made the official language of South Sudan when they gained their independence in 2011. However, many of the children um, speak their tribal languages in their homes and a form of, it's called Juba Arabic, um, in the street. So English is their third or fourth language, but it's a priority for them to learn it because without having English, it's unlikely that they'll get work. And they've found their way to your base because you say they've come from all sorts of different places and they've found safety. And some of them coming from, you know, when we talk about civil war and the conflict that's gone on uh, in South Sudan, are they coming from really difficult situations, traumatic situations, some of them? Yes, in fact, most of them. Just close to us is an SOS children's village where there's 120 children that have come from a rural area where it's no longer safe to live. So they're being looked after in groups of about 8 to 10 children with an auntie figure and I've also been able to go there and do literacy with those children. And even though it's not a Christian organisation, they're very happy for me to use the Bible as our textbook to teach English. James, let's talk about the sort of work that goes on with MAF in a place like South Sudan because there's so much to do. Uh, Give us an impression about the sorts of things that are priorities that MAF works in. So MAF works with primarily um, missions and Christian non-governmental organisations who are involved in relief work. Uh, so there is one of our partners that's called Medair. I'm sure they won't mind us mentioning their name. They do a lot of what's called relief work. So they're working with people who have managed to gain safety in a camp that's been set up by, say, the UN or someone, and they would go and do what's called water sanitation and hygiene or wash programs. And MAF is involved in flying all sorts of supplies for them to their different bases around the country. Uh, including where people are, are hungry. If there's not enough food in the area, they'll, they'll do entire plane loads of, uh, of something called plumpy nut, which is a high-protein meal, uh, especially for children, malnourished children. James, let's just pause and reflect for a few moments here because with your career missionary experience in Papua New Guinea and what has taken you to South Sudan, you've got some real family connections here to missionary work that went on through the 20th century in reaching out to people who are in the Nuba Mountains and the South Sudanese people. That's correct, yes. Uh, My father's cousin was uh, one of the early missionaries working in the Nuba Mountains. Um, his name was Edgar Mollenhauer, and uh, yeah, he sadly passed away from uh, an illness there back in the 1950s. Um, but it's, it's very good to be, to be back, uh, yeah, to carry on the family name, I guess, I guess in South Sudan. 
my parents were also missionaries, but they were in Australia with the Aboriginal mission uh, in Western Australia. Uh, we'll take an opportunity on another day to enlarge a little on some of that family history because it is fascinating and a lot of people are surprised to hear that there were Australian missionaries that opened up the mission work there in South Sudan and in those Nuba Mountains. Uh, let's talk about the sort of environment that you find yourself in in South Sudan. And Ruth, uh, you're a part of a local church community too. How does the church function in the mission place that you work? There's many churches in South Sudan because when they gained their independence, they chose to call themselves a Christian nation and wanted to be free from the pressure in the north. There are many churches and many people still will go to church because they call themselves Christian rather than being called Muslim. But even though the gospel has been preached for many decades, Many people have a very limited understanding of the Bible and what God has done for them and what it means in their life. So there's an openness and a freedom to share the gospel, but there's tremendous opportunities to walk alongside people in their faith, for many in their very new faith, and to be helping them understand what does it mean to be a believer in a country that has suffered so much conflict. I imagine, too, that as missionaries and different coloured skin, that there might be a special place of respect, given that it is a Christian nation, to have Christian missionaries there, and with a maturity that's not as common as it might be in places like Australia. Yes, the little local church where we go has four young men who call themselves the youth, but they would be in their 30s, and they are very very keen to have um, encouragement given to them, helping to study the Bible themselves, helping them teach the Bible, because it will be many decades before we would have the cultural understanding or the language to be able to speak to the older people. But with the youth, they have a fairly good grasp of English and so then we can encourage them in English and then they can put it into their language when they're speaking to their older relatives. And James, not only are you keeping the whole MAF operation afloat so with all of your wonderful skills and being an electrician, but you've also got a role in the local church too and a particular need for discipling young men. That's correct. So uh, the gospel has been preached for, well, decades um, in South Sudan However, there is a real need for a depth of understanding, particularly among the young men who are to become leaders in the community. And so uh, we try to take time to just walk alongside these young men, whether they're the ones who are employed with MAF or the ones in the village who we might just meet on a more social level. And so it's good to be able to take these these opportunities just to be able to, to offer more depth and insight as to how the Bible applies in particular to their culture um, rather than particularly from a Western perspective. So that takes a lot of effort to actually understand their culture. And so a lot of our discussions are uh, revolve around the differences between our cultures. James, you and Ruth, you're on a, I guess what you'd call a furlough in Australia, a sometime of, it's a little bit like a vacation from the work of missionary work in South Sudan. 
while you're back home here in Australia, I assume that you're actually visiting people who support you and no doubt looking for a few new friends that might be ongoing supporters of your mission work. What sort of things do you hope that people pick up in the sorts of things we've been talking about today that might just get someone to say, I'm going to contact James and Ruth. I think they need some support. Well, yes, uh, we've had six weeks here so far and we've been travelling all the way down to Victoria and back up through country New South Wales, uh, just sharing the vision that God's given us for the work we're doing in, in South Sudan with MAF, uh, but also a new vision, I guess, that the Lord is placing on our hearts to work with what's called technology services, as in using technology uh, to spread the gospel in South Sudan because uh, smartphones and uh, other devices are becoming more and more prominent everywhere. And so we're wanting to almost copy what uh, we were doing in Papua New Guinea over in South Sudan, using technology to spread the gospel. And MAF is really on board with that and really wanting to encourage that. So we're, we're sharing the vision of that too. So many dimensions of the things that you need to be ready for and to be pioneers in. Another thing that you're involved in, Ruth, is this idea of helping people to be ready for if there just happens to be an Ebola outbreak. Uh, There's all sorts of risks in places like South Sudan, and you've got some connection there to medical clinics. Yes, that's right, Neil. Um, in July of 2018, there was a new outbreak of Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And as of two weeks ago, there's been over 500 people die from that. There's a lot of movement over the borders with other countries. So World Health Organization has put Rwanda, Uganda and South Sudan at very high risk of Ebola spreading. So there's a lot of work being done by a lot of organisations to make um, clinics in these countries Ebola ready. Well, honour to the two of you because you have such courage and responding to a calling undoubtedly uh, that you've heard from God in your earlier years and it's taking you from Papua New Guinea with 16 years service. These days you're serving in South Sudan and God is using you mightily because, James, you're the man who keeps the whole operation alive and uh, just honour to you for that and for the good work that you do too, Ruth. Let me point people to the website, the MAF website, where you can make contact with the Mollenhauers, James and Ruth. It's maf.org.au maf.org.au and if you put in forward slash Mollenhauer, M-O-L-L-E-N-H-A-U-E-R, you'll be able to connect to them and perhaps even be a friend, a prayer partner, a supporter of their good work. Uh, To you, James, and to Ruth, thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been great. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.